Um, we're going to continue reading in First Peter, uh, chapter four. And uh, <laughs> I'm a little bit scared, actually, to address this passage. Um, in fact, I've been sort of a, a little bit afraid to speak on the whole book of First Peter. Um, as much of the book is addressing suffering and for those who follow Christ, how we should respond to suffering. And if I'm honest... The last few weeks have been pretty difficult uh, in that area. Not not physical suffering, but mental and emotional. And not sort of suffering imposed by others, but just fears and doubts and, and uh, concerns uh, in my mind that uh, have sort of not let up. Um, uh, knowing what the Bible says about suffering and actually... You know, and how we should respond and putting that into practice are two different things and uh, it's hard to accept uh, sometimes that suffering is a part of Christian life uh, it would be nice to, to know that as we go on in life that, that there was no suffering but that's not the case uh, and it's not what we've been called to uh, two weeks ago we looked at chapter 3 uh, and it says we're, we're, we're called to suffer so that through the suffering we might be blessed and through that blessing be a blessing to others. Um, here in 1 Peter chapter 4, uh, it's mainly concerning uh, Christians who are being persecuted for their faith. So Christians being persecuted for being Christians. But there's many different ways that as Christians we can suffer whether physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. Suffering is a state is a state of undergoing pain, distress or hardship. And Peter addresses how we as Christians should respond to that, specifically um, persecution uh, for being for being Christians. But before we read First Peter chapter 4, let's just pray and ask God's blessing on his word. Father, we give you thanks for this afternoon. We thank you that we're able to come and share with one another, to encourage one another, to build one another up uh, and to spur one another on to love and good works. And Father, we pray that that might be the case. Lord, as we read your word, Father, we pray that you would speak to us, that we might uh, hear from you, uh, that, that we might... Uh, know what it is that you're asking us to apply to our lives. Uh, Father, may it be your words, not my own. Uh, may it be your ideas, not mine, uh, that come across this afternoon. And Father, we ask that, um, that you would speak through me uh, in relation to this passage uh, this evening. Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we'll just quickly read it, um, and then we'll come back and have a look at a few things along the way. Since... Uh, therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the, uh, in the flesh 
for the lust of men, but for the will of God, for we have spent enough of our past lifetime doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, <coughs> drunken parties, uh, and, and abominable idolatries. In regard to these, they think it strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, uh, speaking evil of you. They will give an account to him uh, who is ready uh, to judge the living and the dead. For this reason the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers. Above all things, uh, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling, as each one has received a gift. Minister it to one another as good servants, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it uh, with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God might be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and dominion for ever and ever. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is, is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you, par you, are, that you partake in Christ's suffering. And when, he is, and when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Uh, and on, on their part he is blasphemed. But on your part he is glorified. But let no, none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief or an evildoer, uh, as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed and let him glorify God in this matter. For the time has come for the judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will, it be? What will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God. Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. Verse 1, Since, therefore, Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. In Philippians it says the same thing but different words. Have this mind among you, it says, among yourselves. Philippians 2 verse 3 to 8. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not to his own interests but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among you which is yours in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. Have this mind among yourselves. 
Think like Jesus thought. The life that we are to live starts in our minds. We must have our minds right with Christ. We can't be filling our minds with rubbish from the TV or the phone or the social media and expect to live the way that God wants us to live. Romans 12.2 Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Philippians again, chapter 4, verse 8 Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there are any... Uh, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Before we, we start into, uh, you know, sort of the, the subject of suffering, we, we, we need to have our minds right. We need to be prepared mentally. Um, and we need to be thinking the same way that Jesus thought. He humbled himself and found in human form being obedient to the point of death even death on a cross you know, we, we need to, to have this mind uh, among us that these things are going to take place we need to be prepared and ready uh, for what is coming there is a battle going on you know, in the mind of every believer the devil wants control of your mind he wants control of my mind. And he'll do it by any means possible. He wants to control what we think because he knows what we think affects how we behave. He knows that if we put rubbish in, we'll get rubbish out. That's what ultimately will be produced in our lives. And we won't be obedient to God. He knows that. If we fill our minds with rubbish, if we fill our minds with, with the, the things of the world, then the ultimate outcome of that will be disobedience to God. And the devil knows that. That's where, that's where the, uh, the battlefield is at the moment, I believe, in the minds of the believer. Because he wants... You can see it through, through the, the, the technology that we have. Our minds are, are filled with, with rubbish and it's produced in the behaviour um, or shown in, in the behaviour that is displayed. Peter knew that. Peter knew that uh, it starts with what we think and how we think. That's why he could write, since Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. Think the way Christ did. When this letter was written, when, when Peter wrote, um, there was a choice for Christians between sin and suffering. If you went along with the crowd, if you, if you did live the way, the, the sinful lifestyle that everybody else was living, then you didn't face persecution, you didn't suffer. That's what I believe Peter's saying when he writes, whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Whoever has taken a stand against living the sinful life will suffer in the flesh, is, is I think what, he, what he's meaning. 
It doesn't mean because we've suffered, then we stop sinning. It means because we've stopped sinning, we're now going to suffer. It, it's, it's because we, we are living differently to the world around us, we are now going to suffer in the flesh. You know, we have it comfortable today. At the moment, we don't have that same choice. We can choose to stop living in sin, but not receive persecution. But there will come a day, you know, in the not too distant future, when we will be faced with that choice. If we choose to stand up for what the Bible says and what God says about marriage and gender and, and, and those things, we will suffer the consequences. We will be persecuted. There are those today that are in, in that boat, that, that are suffering for the stand that they've taken. The question is, are we willing to do the same? Or do we justify not standing up by saying that we should keep the peace? I like listening to Jordan Peterson and one of his quotes is, if you have something to say and you don't say it, it's a lie. If you keep silent and don't stand up, if we don't, if we don't stand up, then we don't speak the truth. Now I'm not saying for a minute that we should look for persecution. But if the opportunity comes to stand, then we should be counted. We shouldn't shy away. That doesn't mean that we should involve ourselves in social media arguments either, especially the ones that are just designed to create controversy. It doesn't mean that we have to get entangled in those, those arguments. But it does mean that we need to live different lives to the world around us. Verse 2 says, as, So as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. This should be the desire of everyone who follows Christ. To live by the will of God. No longer for our human passions, no longer satisfying our own selfish desires, but to live in obedience to God. And I say this often, but if, if we want to know what the will of God is for our lives, start here. Start by living, or, or not living by the flesh, but living by the will of God. We need to get that sorted first before we figure out what the rest of the will of God is for our lives. Sort out the obedience that we should be displaying to, to God and living in his will, living the way he wants us to live before we go looking for uh, the rest of his will for the rest of our life. Verse 3, for the time has passed, for, for the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles do, living in sensuality, passion, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you. <coughs> the time for living the way the world lives is over. We've had that time, we've had our, our time living in the world and that time has passed. And those that know us should be surprised at the changes that take place in our lives. 
and some of them will mock and malign and ridicule uh, because of the, the decisions that we've made not to join in with them, not to go down the same path. But verse 5 says, They will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. They'll be answerable to God. We don't need to take revenge. We don't need to pay back evil for evil. We leave it with God to deal with and allow him to, uh, to hold them to account. Psalm 145 verse 20 says, The Lord keeps all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. That's a warning for us too, to, to be on the lookout and, and be ready to share the gospel message with those who are, who are heading for a lost eternity because you know, it says that he will destroy them. They're, they're, they're heading for eternal separation from God. That needs to, to worry us. It needs to, to, um, to spur us on. Verse 6, for this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that uh, though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. This verse isn't saying that there's opportunity to be saved after we die. It's not saying that it was preached to them after they die. It's saying that the gospel was preached to them before they died, and those who have died after receiving the gospel... And having had it change their lives, uh, and having suffered persecution even to the point of death after being judged by others uh, in the flesh while they were alive, uh, but also by those who continue to live in sin. As Christians, we are always being judged by outsiders, by those who don't know Christ. And that's just a part, a part of, of the Christian life, I think. They're always going to stand in judgment on us. Uh, but we need to be living lives that uh, are upright and um, above reproach. Verse 7. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled, sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Reminded of, a, of an old song, There is coming a day when no heartache will come, no more clouds in the sky, no more tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day glorious day that will be the the time is coming the the end of all things is at hand there will be a day when we are at peace are we waiting for the return of the lord or are we getting caught up with the affairs of the world if we're waiting for the Lord's return, we need to be living in a way that is obedient to his word. Self-controlled, sober-minded, so that we can be serious about our prayer life. That's what it says. Um, Self-controlled, sober-minded, for the sake of your prayers. The love that we have for one another should be 
shouldn't be passive but earnest. It should be evident. Even if people have sinned against us, we should be loving towards them. Be gracious, uh, hospitable, without grumbling. And the gifts that we've all been given by God should be used to serve one another in many and various ways. Helping one another, serving one another, building one another up. It says there, love covers a multitude of sins. It doesn't mean that love covers up sin. It means that love deals well with sin, with the sin of others towards us. Towards those who have sinned against us, we should provide love as a covering for them. Not cover up their sin so it's not, it's not dealt with. But provide a covering of love even though they've sinned against us. Verse 11, whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that, every, that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We mentioned this two weeks ago. That all that we say and all that we do should be done for the glory of God. From the words we speak to the service that we, that we do. It isn't for our own praise and glory, but for the praise and glory of God. Verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Don't be surprised, but be ready. Be aware that these things are going to happen. Don't be naive and think that it won't happen, because it will. It's happened since the early church, and it will continue to happen for however long we've got left on this earth. When trials do come, it says that we're to rejoice. Because we are now sharing in the sufferings of Christ. You are blessed. You know, when the glory cloud rested upon the tabernacle or, you know, in the Old Testament, it indicated that the presence of God was there. When you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because it is evident in your life that God is present. Someone has said if 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 you if someone accused you of being a Christian, of being a follower of Jesus Christ, would there be enough evidence to convict you? If that was the charge that was brought against you, that you were a Christian, that that um, that you um, had surrendered your life to Christ, would there be enough evidence to be convicted of that of that crime? That's the question we need to ask. Does our life display the, the love of Christ? In our suffering, do we provide love as a covering to those who are, uh, are sinning against us? Do we, do we rejoice in our suffering? 
Verse 15, let no one or none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if someone, anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Now if you suffer because of your sin, that's on you. You can't sin and then say I'm being persecuted because I'm suffering or because I'm suffering the consequences of my sin. Persecution is suffering because you are a Christian, not because you're sinful. We can't say that, you know, live a life of sin and then all of a sudden because we suffer those consequences say, oh, that's persecution. No, it's not. It's the consequence of our sin. But if we are living the life that Christ wants us to live and we suffer because of that, then that's a different story. That's persecution. Verse 17, For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? The church, I said earlier, the church is always under judgment. It's under the judgment of the ungodly. And since the church started, and the, the believers has, have suffered as a result. But there is coming a judgment that the believers will not have to face. And those who have rejected God and those who have persecuted the church will have to face this judgment, the judgment of God. And if the righteous is scarcely saved in verse 18, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? If the righteous have to suffer in this life because of their godly living, how much more are the ungodly going to suffer in the next? This evening, that needs to spur us on to reaching our loved ones with the gospel, to reaching our community with the gospel knowing that they are going to suffer in the next life if they don't receive the gospel. That should, that should pull at our heartstrings. That should give us concern for our loved ones who don't know Christ. Because if we're suffering now because of being a Christian, how much more are they going to suffer for rejecting Christ in the next life? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Don't let the suffering that we face deter us from doing good in this world. Don't let it hinder us. Don't let it stop us from doing good, from doing the good that God has asked us to do. We need to continue in the face of persecution and suffering to do the work that God wants us to be doing. And with that in mind, what Dad was saying last week was if we know of fellow Christians who are suffering, be an encouragement. We all go through times that are difficult. We all go through seasons that are that are hard and and. and in where we suffer 
and we need to be attentive to one another, to one another's needs, offer encouragement so that we can continue to build one another up. In Hebrews 6 and 10 says, spur one another on to love and good works. Even in the face of persecution, even in the face of suffering, we need to spur one another on to encourage one another to love and continue doing the good that God has asked us to do. So, friends, this evening, whether this is a season of suffering for you or what the season is, we need to be ready for what is coming. We need to know that suffering will be a part of life. We need to have the mind that Christ had and be willing to, to, um, to continue on with the call of God on our lives even in the face of suffering and persecution. We need to continue on to do the good that he has asked us to do. It's hard. It's difficult sometimes to continue on in the work of the gospel. In the face of opposition, in the, in the face of our, our own fears and doubts and, and uh, anxious thoughts. But we need to remember that Christ suffered for us. We are going to suffer because of his name and we need to be able to, to uh, rest in him, to, to have uh, confidence in him, to have our faith in him because the end is near. The time is coming when, what does it say there? The end of all things is at hand in verse 7. It's not that far away. We need to uh, persist and to continue on in the work of the gospel, in loving one another, in building one another up, in encouraging one another, especially in the face of opposition, in the face of persecution. So friends, may that be an encouragement. Uh, may it be an encouragement for you to encourage others. Uh, and it might be an encouragement for yourselves to think about uh, the way in which Christ suffered for us and how we can uh, live the life that he has called us to live. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for this evening. We thank you for your word. We pray that you would continue to speak to us through it, uh, that we might uh, know what it is that you're uh, saying that it, what it is that you're wanting us to apply to our lives, that we might live in accordance with your will, that we might be obedient to your word. Uh, Father, we ask that you just uh, help us in that, uh, especially in the, in the face of opposition and, and persecution and in the suffering that we face. Uh, Father, we pray. So Lord, we ask that you just uh, go before us now, help us in the week, uh, Father, to uh, encourage one another, to build one another up. Uh, and to love one another the way you've asked us to, Father, we pray. Lord, we ask now that you just bless our time together. We, we think of the food that's been provided for us. We give you thanks for it. I uh, pray that you would bless it to our bodies in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.